You ready? I'm Lisa. And I'm Kelly. And this is Bad at Boundaries, the podcast where we share personal stories about setting boundaries, healing, and growing into the people we want to be. Get ready to laugh, sigh, and draw the line with us. Super easy first take. Okay, (laughs) are we recording? Yes. We are (laughs) recording. Okay, Lisa, where did you draw the line? So... I'm really excited to talk about intuition this week, Mm. Um, both as a tarot reader, but also as somebody who has a very strong connection with like their gut feeling and has been both validated and uh, led astray by listening or not listening to that gut feeling before. But okay, how do you define intuition? Because I know you're not as woohoo-y as me. I think intuition is when you lean into your feelings Mm -hmm. a little more than your rational side. So it's allowing yourself to trust something that you can't necessarily tangibly explain. Yeah, like, okay, before I kind of started my whole spiritual journey, I always thought of like intuition as something you just inherently know without Mm -hmm. having to have like a conscious like work through of how you know it like you just inherently know same way as like if I was to knock your water bottle off the table right now like I just know it's gonna fall Mm -hmm. like I don't need to think about that I just inherently understand that so I guess the reason why I really want to talk about it this week and we actually did try to talk about this last (laughs) week which is a hilarious little dilly dally Kelly and I had so many technical issues last week and I'm actually really happy that we get to have just one day to talk about intuition on its own because I've I knew from the beginning that this podcast was going to be a thing Mm -hmm. like I I always knew and the reason why I wanted to talk about it on bad at boundaries is because I feel like learning to trust your intuition is the key to not only just setting boundaries but also living a life that's aligned with the truth of your being and yeah. being happy, you know? Yeah, so 13 episodes in, we're giving <laughs> you the podcast origin story. Yeah, so I think uh, from my perspective, it starts with me because mm-hmm. I have, I've always wanted to do a podcast. Like I was born with the gift of gab and like I could literally pull up next to a brick wall and just have a full conversation with it. Like that's how much I love to talk and I love to tell stories too. And I didn't realize podcasting was a thing until I found my first true crime one years ago and started listening. And I was like, man, I've always wanted to like do this with somebody, but I, that was little Lisa. That was like 2015, not even out of the closet, still with her awful ex-boyfriend, Lisa. Tumblr era Lisa. This is literally, it's Tumblr era Lisa. I can picture the outfit in my mind. The infinity scarf. Yeah, if it's winter, an infinity scarf, a long sleeve red shirt. And then I had, of course, dark wash skinny jeans. Mm-hmm. And I had the Christian girl autumn boot. Like that was what I wore all the time. So imagine me listening to true crime <laughs> at university <laughs> being like, God, I want this to be me. But I always knew that I was just waiting for the right person to kind of come into the equation. And as I started, you know, kind of work working on my healing journey and getting more spiritual, I really fell into like tarot readings and fortune tellers as I think everybody goes through a phase like that. And every single one would always tell me like, you know, you have this voice, you need to use it. And I kind of thought that was more of a social justice way. And I had almost pretty much like given up on the dream of having a podcast, despite like owning all the mics, like taking a whole course on how to like do all this like I had I'd done that and I just couldn't find anybody to start a podcast with. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just 
not supposed to do it. And I think the day I said, like, okay, enough is enough, that was when our friend Annie kind of, like, shoved us together. And yeah, our whole friendship began. Because we were both involved in the wedding. Yes, yes. I was officiating her wedding, and you were one of the bridesmaids. And it was, like, such an intuitive hit when you walked into my life, Kelly. Like, I can't explain it. And it was so funny, too, because the amount of coincidences we have. I think we've talked about those. Like, yeah. Living, like, Lisa lives six blocks from my parents' house. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of overlapping connections. Well, John was, like, you're... John's mom. Was friends and with my mom. It was friends with your mom. And you guys actually, like, played together when you were little kids. Yeah. Like, my brother and you were both in the same grade <laughs> at, at high school together. Yeah. Like, we have so many friends in common. And, like, looking at it in hindsight, I'm like, there are a million different avenues that we could have met each other. And it almost, like, blows my mind. We've had a lot of near misses, though, too. <laughs> yes, we have had a lot of, like, near misses where, like, for example, we we technically should have met, like, a year before mm-hmm. we actually did um, at that truly rowdy Christmas party that Annie <laughs> threw. But COVID was still a thing. The numbers wouldn't allow me to go. And I was also going through a really intense, like, mental health crisis. It was at also time. on a Sunday. Yeah, it was on a Sunday. Like, I, I worked, worked the next day. I worked from their house the next day. <laughs> oh, my God. Disastrously hung over, I'm sure. I and, pulled it off. <laughs> but I really think when we came together and we started doing this podcast, it was like I was finally, like, I felt ready to do it. I don't even, you didn't even, like, have the idea of a podcast in your mind, I don't think. Right? No, because I... I don't actually listen to that many podcasts. Not that I don't listen at all, but I I like that you can find a podcast and then like jump through and pick which topics are like, yeah. a good fit. Mm-hmm. I feel like listening to podcasts is a really good way to just relate to other people mm-hmm. and hear different perspectives and see um, how someone else is approaching a topic that you're interested in or mm-hmm. that feels important. But I've never followed a podcast from start to finish right. or anything. I've never... I I don't think I've ever listened to every episode of an entire season of a podcast. Oh, God. I, and whereas I'm a person who I, I like to find them early and I like to, mm-hmm. if, I, if I love the host and love the topic, I will listen all the way through, which explains why I'm on like episode 300 and whatever of my true crime podcast that I love. But no. I just, have I told you what my first podcast that I ever listened to was? No, do tell. It was called, it was, it came out of like Bachelor Nation. <laughs> And I I hadn't watched the seasons of any of the hosts on this show, but it was called Help, I Suck at Dating. Oh, my God. Yes. And so it was people that, like, obviously things had not worked out for them. Oh, my God. And they did a really good job, and obviously they have budget for this. Yeah. But they would pick guest speakers that would coach these people through kind of, like, facing and owning up to, like, what they needed to work through. So there were, like, psychologists, Mm -hmm. counselors, sex therapists, all these different, like, very educated individuals who were basically, like, interviewing these people and kind of making them face things head on. And then eventually they all got into relationships and it was no longer relevant (laughs) to me. Well, well, they succeeded. (laughs) I think so. And then I, yeah, I I don't know where any of them are at now, but. Well, wherever they are, I hope they're happy. That's crazy. So you like had never really listened at all before you started your own podcast. Yeah, I've listened to like probably, I would say like 
max 20 podcast episodes in my entire life. Wow. And now I listen to them all the time because there's some, like, work-adjacent podcasts that Mm -hmm. I've found listening in audio format is actually, like, a much better learning avenue for me, Mm -hmm. like, at this age than it was for me when I was younger. Yeah, and, like, I I almost use podcasts as ways to explore beyond, like, what I get to do in therapy. Like, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, even though they're, you know, about beauty, about fashion, about true crime, you know, whatever, they always have some element of, like, wellness. So, like, for example, like, the girls I really love on My Favorite Murder, one is a comedian slash recovering alcoholic who, when the podcast started, she had just lost her mother to a very long battle with Alzheimer's. And the other one is, like, a rough and tumble, like, had a meth addiction when she was 12 years old, overcame it throughout the course of the podcast, realized she was an alcoholic, and, like, basically in between true crime stories, decompressed and recovered and healed. And that was always kind of my goal with the podcast that we're doing now is, you know, I want it to be funny, I want it to be engaging, but I also want it to, like, make people feel better. Yeah, it's like a practical application. Yeah, and I, I just remembered, like, the second I saw you and we, like, started talking, it was, like, The only other thing I can compare it to, and this is going to be incredibly romantic, so, like, please try not (laughs) to fall in love with me right now, but it it was the moment I felt the first time I saw John. Like, Mm. the very first time. It was, like, you lock eyes with someone, and you just have this instant connection, and, like, with John, I, like, literally felt my heart, like, drop down to my knees, and it was, like, a full-body thing, and when I just started talking to you that day when we were having coffee with Annie, it was just, like oh my God, I feel like I found that again. Like that was a once in a lifetime hit that you get with, you know, your soulmate. And then I get to have it with like this other amazing person who I will go ahead and say soulmate is a tear. Mm -hmm. You're there, buddy. (laughs) I appreciate that. You're welcome. I I had a realization today. Mm -hmm. I was in a coaching session with our our favorite favorite lady, Brenna. Hey, Brenna. Um, (laughs) But we were talking about... um, We were talking about um, how you show up in conversations when you're getting to know people Mm. and I talked about how I have like almost a specific list of topics that (laughs) I am comfortable talking about I've practiced talking about Mm -hmm. and it's a way of opening up but kind of at my own pace on my own terms Mm. and she just started smiling and nodding (laughs) as I was describing this and she's like I call that curated vulnerabilities (laughs) and it's kind of a a way of masking in some ways where it's Mm. deciding what you're comfortable with and then sticking to that Mm -hmm. so yes like these might be like hot topics or big pivotal moments in your life yeah but they're still the ones that you're comfortable with Mm -hmm. and meanwhile the second time you and I went for coffee (laughs) we're both crying in the coffee shop within the first hour we literally trauma bonded like immediately the second we were alone we were just like oh my god I need to tell you like my whole life story and I I definitely know what you mean because I did something very similar I took you from high school to present day yeah an hour and a half I literally read you like the opening of my memoir that I'm still like working on where I'm Mm -hmm. talking about the moment where I thought I was going to die on top of a mountain and like realizing all these regrets and like sorry we've known each other less than a week (laughs) like I haven't even read like my mother that like yeah 
<laughs> yeah, it's crazy how sometimes when, you know, you're going through life, you just encounter these moments where it's like it just feels right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just tell that whether it's a person, a place, a thing, an experience, it just resonates so deeply with you that it's like that's that's that feeling of your intuition saying, listen, this is it. Take this. This is yours. And I, you're definitely better at trusting your intuition. Like yeah. This is where some of my lingering avoidant <laughs> tendencies tend yeah. to pop in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I tend to be like a bit pricklier because... I think sometimes it's just hard to believe that things can be so simple. Yeah. I'm always like, hey, like, what's coming? What's going to get thrown at me? <laughs> Wait, can I dilly-dally really quick? Yep. So always. Always. This is, this is a safe space for dilly-dallying. That's a totally our next t-shirt, by the way. So before I left my last job, there was, like, this whole thing because I was covering for someone's medical leave, and then she came back, and we didn't know if they were going to keep both of us or if it was only one person, like, taking the job. And I was kind of at the point where, like, we were just about to get the podcast going, and I was super burnt out at work, and I just was like... I don't want to fight anymore, but I also don't want it to be a situation where, you know, one person leaves and I know there's like five people's worth of work there and I didn't want to screw her over in any sense of the the word. So finally, I just told her, I was like, why don't you, I'm going to quit so you can have the position because I can't do this anymore. But I basically coached her through it. I was like, I think you should propose like a pay raise And you should also propose that you move from, like, a, oh, my God, what was my old job title? Coordinator. (laughs) Yeah, a coordinator (laughs) role to a managerial role and request, like, people underneath you. And Mm -hmm. she was like, no, like, I couldn't do that. Like, that's so much to ask for. I've only been back a month. And I was like, dude, you hold all the power here. You're the only member of the marketing department once I walk. Like, they kind of... she was doing it before she left. Yeah, and she was doing it before she left. I was like, you know the job better than I do. Realistically, this the marketing department shouldn't be a, like, one or two person department. It should be at least five or six people. Mm -hmm. And I ended up leaving. And it was the same day that... I was, like, leaving my job, like, fully it was my last day. She got the call from HR saying, yep, it's been approved. Like, it's all good. And it was almost like that was the permission I needed to be, like, that was the right choice, leaving this job. Because now my friend, this woman who I really love and adore, I know she's okay. And I, like, there's going to be no bad blood between us. And we're still friends Mm -hmm. right now. So it's, like, I feel like you can only really see how there was like a plan or like how the little int- uh, intricate pieces of our lives kind of play out when you look back in hindsight. But yeah. as you're going through life, you get those pulls towards what's right with your intuition. You yeah. Know? And I've talked about how I was kind of passively job hunting because I was, I was employed when my current job opportunity came yeah. up. Actually, um, the day that this gets posted, I think is going to be, no, the day after yeah. Um, is my one year work anniversary. Oh my god, congratulations. And they sent me this cute little gift basket. <laughs> There's so many things at my new job where I'll be like, oh, it's so cool that they do this. Yeah. And everyone is like, no, this is a bare minimum. <laughs> like, you should basic. expect this. <laughs> I was really validated when I quit that job. Yeah. Because my entire team got laid off a couple months later. Oh, shit. And it shit. just felt like yeah. the right job opportunity came up Mm -hmm. I was open to it Mm -hmm. it felt like it would 
challenge me but not be like completely overwhelming it was a little bit actually closer to my comfort zone yeah than the the other one had been because I ended up doing project management with (laughs) no training (laughs) um was winging it yeah which is okay but yeah like there were just so many things that started happening Mm -hmm. where it was just like green flag after green flag see I feel like when you trust your intuition and like really follow just like okay this is right for me that's when it's almost like you build this momentum of like the more you trust the more you're able to trust it and like you might not always know where you're gonna land but like take that leap if it feels right and like it it is a skill Mm-hmm. Honestly, trusting your intuition and it's something I have a lot of practice at as like I, I read tarot cards. That's like my hot little side gig and just like fun thing I do for friends. And you you can't read tarot cards if you don't trust <laughs> your intuition. Like it, it doesn't work. But there have definitely been times where and you probably relate to this where I know something's not right mm-hmm. and I do it anyway because it, it's not what I want it to be. I, like, go against my intuition. Do you relate to that at all? Oh, yeah. That's, like, the whole topic of episode one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I fell off the wagon with someone that I have, yeah, just historically not had a good time with. Yeah. And been in positions where I did not set myself up for success. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's also really important to learn from those situations so that yeah. you don't end up doomed to repeat history over and over. Yeah. So when I was in university, I actually had this note on my phone Yeah. that was the ex-graveyard. Oh, my God. <laughs> so anytime my, friend, anytime my friends went through a breakup or yeah. even just a situationship ended, yeah. they would send me this person's phone number. Jesus. And I would store it in my phone. Yeah. I think, like, the popular thing now is you just change their name to be like, yeah. Do not text this person. But I also like the boundary of I'm going to delete this person's number from my phone. Mm-hmm. And if for some reason I need it again, then I can get it back. But yeah, just like but get this number off ask my phone. For it. And the shame of asking for it too yeah. would stop me every time. Because <laughs> I like to joke about doing things for the plot. Yes, you are so for the plot. Because <laughs> sometimes it's like worst case scenario, it's going to be a good story. Mm-hmm. But I try to take that thinking one step further and combine it with like the, the fuck yes or no rule. Yeah. And sometimes I think about like, if I need to tell this story to a friend, how am I going to feel about it? And, like, how is this going to go? And that has actually stopped me from making some poor decisions before. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, like, if I'm really waffling and can't trust my own intuition, mm-hmm. like, like what would what would Lisa say? Or what would Molly <laughs> yes. say? Like, who is going to judge me? Yeah. Do you ever specifically ask someone for advice because Mm. you can anticipate the response that they're going to give you. Yeah, you're my friend for that. (laughs) Unfortunately, I put you in that position. Every once in a while, I like, you know, it's the ADHD vibes in me. They burst out and I get a really weird impulse to like Mm -hmm. go and do something. And I I always kind of float it past you because Mm -hmm. I feel like you're a good judge for like how everybody else would react to it. And if Mm -hmm. you're just like, you could do that, but, like, I don't know why you would. Yeah, the I yes before no you. Yeah, it's like you have the free will to do that, but is that really the best idea? Which also, dilly-dally, again, is hilarious because in tarot we always say, like, you have the free will to do whatever the fuck you want in this life, but the cards are just basically giving you feedback on whether or not that's a good decision. So, like, mm-hmm. your cards could spell out die, Kelly, die. It could be, like... <laughs> 
no, I think I'm going to live. <laughs> and like, that would be enough. Right. So I don't, I do have a story of one time where I really, I completely ignored my intuition in every possible scenario or every mm-hmm. possible way I could. And I honestly am like, I should not be alive. Do you want to hear about the time that I had to eat myself out of a moving car? <laughs> um, absolutely. And also, I am glad you are still here today. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Me too. It's been okay. <laughs> Three stars <laughs> since then. Um, yeah, so this was like back in university. It was like Christmas break. And it was just like one of those nights where like I had one friend who really wanted us to like hang out. She, she was just like, let's do something and that's red flag number one. One buddy on oh. a night out is sufficient. <laughs> yes. And, like, I had been led to believe that the vibe was we were going to go, like, hang in her parents' basement and drink some of their wine and, like, watch Netflix. Like, that's kind of the vibe I was going for. And it was also, like, middle of winter holidays. It was minus 30 out. Like, it was not the night you, you leave the house. No. But she was really like, come on, let's do something. I was like, okay. So I'm getting dressed to, like, go to her house. And then, like, last minute she texts me. She's like, change of plans. Would you actually be down to, like, go see this guy I'm talking to on Tinder's band perform in a bar? And I was just like, no. <laughs> like, I'm just not. And back in those days, a lot of the like garage band scene brutal those venues were not nice clean like hipster places like they are now they were like dirty gross definitely not 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 the vibe and my role is if they don't look like they would even play taylor swift just to humor you i don't go in Mm. (laughs) that's you know so i was just like fuck and we had another friend who was originally going to hang out with us and she immediately bailed And then my other friend, the one who really wanted to go, she was like, well, I'm going to go anyway, regardless of if anybody comes with me because I want to meet this guy. And they'd never met before. They'd never met before. I know. So I was just like, and then I kind of was in this place where I was like, everything in me is telling me no, but I don't want my friend to be in a position where she's like alone somewhere with like somebody she doesn't know and is stuck without a ride or like, you know, anything Mm -hmm. like that. So I basically, like, go to this bar. Immediately, I'm like, this is not my vibe. We go. We're listening to this guy's band. They're awful. And as, like, they're, like, shtick, they were all wearing white suits, like, from the 80s, like, shoulder pads. In and a sticky, grungy bar. In a sticky, grungy bar and, like, rolled up sleeves. And, like, they had cuffed the pants and, like, white dress shoes, which, like, it could have been so good, but it wasn't. Like, it was no. just not good. And she, like, pointed out the guy that she was interested in. Red flag number one, he played bass. <laughs> I was just, like, it just, I looked at him and I was, like, I don't get a good vibe from this person. I don't get a good vibe from, like, where we are. Like, everything about it, I was just, like, I don't want to be here. So she ends up talking to this guy after they, like, are finished with their set. And she's, like, oh, like, he invited us to an after party at this house that's not, like, too far away. And I was just like, I don't want to fucking go to an after party. And I kept telling her, I was like, you said we were just going to, like, come out for one drink. I'm, like, in my head being like, okay, my phone's on, like, 30%. I kind of want to be home by midnight. It's, like, 1130 now. I was just like, okay. So, of course, we end up going to this party. And it's in, like, a house that's, like, even dirtier than the bar somehow. And, like, intense frat boy vibes. And what freaked me out is there was, like, no furniture in the whole place. Like, it was very weirdly empty. There was, like, no decor on the wall. Each room had, like, a couch. And, like, that was it. 
and like there weren't enough like lights. No accent furniture. No, it didn't look like somebody actually lived there. The closest thing I can like imagine is if like you went to a real estate list listing that had been abandoned for like ten years, had like one piece of furniture in every room. And it just had, that like, this weird air of, like, emptiness, and nobody's been here for a while. So, like, my house that hadn't been living yeah. for a year now? <laughs> yeah. somehow didn't have bad vibes. Yeah, somehow didn't have bad vibes, despite... Despite the ghost. Despite the ghost, which we will talk about that next season. <laughs> um, so we're, like, at this house party, and everybody there is, like, you know, we're, like, 21, 22. And they're all, like, clearly in their 30s. And I was just, like, this guy lied on his Tinder profile, for sure. Immediately, my friend disappears. And I know what was going on. She's hooking up with the guy upstairs. That's totally fine. I would have appreciated a, like, info update, context clues. So I'm, like, going around this party. Everyone here is weirding me out. Not my vibe. I find the dog. I play (laughs) with the dog. And the whole time, the dog's in the kitchen. And it's, like, one of those weird kind of, like, two entrance kitchens. And before long, I noticed there's, like, a couple standing, like, on either end of the kitchen having a conversation above me as I, like, pet this dog And it just gave me, like, very intense, like, hey, we spotted you from across the bar. Like, we like your vibe kind of thing. And I just, like, keep texting my friend, being like, hey, dude, like, are you done? (laughs) Like, are you finished with what you're doing up there? Because I would like to go. And, like, time keeps going on and on. My friend isn't replying super sporadically and, like, not with, like, what I want. My phone's power is getting lower and lower and lower. And finally, I was just like, okay, like what are we doing here? Are you coming home with me or not? And she sends me this really long text that's basically like, you don't need to wait for me. I'm not a little baby. And I was just like, okay. Like, well, you could have told me that an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, you could have told me that an hour ago, dude. And so I'm like trying to find a ride. Uber doesn't exist yet, by the mm-hmm. way. So it's only calling cabs or calling my dad to come pick me up. By now, it's way too late to call my dad. I'm, like, just about to, find, like, call a cab. I'm still texting my friend back and forth, and my phone dies. And now it's so late. The party has, like, almost completely cleared out. There's, like, me and the couple and the dog left downstairs. And I don't know if my friend is still here. She talked about maybe going with this guy to his apartment. So I don't know if she's still there. She left me or what. I can't find her. Finally, the weird, weird vibes couple is just like, hey, like, we can give you a ride home. And, like, everything in me told me, like, don't take that ride. Like, I wasn't super into true crime yet, but, like, I knew better than that. But I, despite all of it, I was like, well, it's a man and a woman, so, like, you're inclined to trust them. And I had been, like, chatting with them all night, too, and I was like, well, what's the other option? I can't walk back to the bar because it's too far. It's minus 30. And I was just way too cute to worry about being warm. So I was like, (laughs) so the option is either die in this house, die walking to the bar, or like maybe not die and take this weird ass ride. Red flag number one. Were you wearing high heels in the snow? Uh, I was wearing um, my Christian girl autumn boots. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I get in the car, and, like, red flag number one is it just was, like, a really dirty, gross car. Like, everything else in the night, it was just really gross and dirty. And, like, the guy offered me the pa- the front passenger seat, which I wasn't really expecting, And, like, we're driving home, and I didn't want to give them my address. Like, something in me was just, like, don't tell them your address. I was, like, giving them, like, turn left here. Like, I was basically, like, Google directing them. Mm -hmm. And as we're, like, almost at my parents' house, because I still live with my mom and dad then, the guy, like, reaches out because he's sitting behind me, and he just starts playing with my hair. 
And that was when I was like, you are in trouble. This is not a good situation. So there's like a little, I live like pretty deep into a neighborhood. I'm like two, two or three blocks in. And there was like a little green space next to like a shopping area and a red light. And for some reason, it was like four in the morning at this point. Mm-hmm. The light turned red, which like it's a main street. Somebody would have had to press the button. But for some reason, it turned red and the car wasn't even stopped. And I just like yeeted out of the car. Like I just like opened up the door. If it that door had been locked, I would have been stuck in there. And I like made a pretty sudden move. So like I was mm-hmm. fully in fight or flight. And I like got out and I was like sprinting through the snow in this like open green space, like down alleys. And I can hear them like yelling at me and trying to follow me in the car. I was like literally hiding in a bush in minus 30. And immediately I was like, that was a dumb fucking thing to do. Dumb thing to like take the ride. I like get home. I like charge up my phone. I call our other friend who like didn't come out with us. And I was like, you will not fucking believe the night I've had. It was the worst. And I, that was like one of the most powerful moments in my life where I was like, you didn't fucking listen to your gut and you shouldn't be here to tell this story right now. Like it is by a fluke that a light turned red and I was okay. If that light hadn't turned red, I would have had to jump out of a car going 60k an hour. Yeah. Like crazy. I'm like, I'm glad that that worked out. But sometimes (laughs) I like look back on my early 20s and I'm like, wow, that girl did not trust her gut. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like she did not listen to those red flags thrown at her. Yeah. And I mean, like. For a long time, I didn't realize there was an, a difference between the anxiety that I felt and intuition. And I feel like a lot of people confuse mm. those two things. And especially somebody who, who has an anxiety disorder, a lot of the time it's really difficult for me to tell the difference between like what is just like an inherent intuitive feeling and what is like this, this little angry mean voice in my head telling me no. Yeah, like what's the difference between like being cautious and Mm -hmm. being like fearful yeah and like it was uh when I when I started my first round of anti-anxiety meds sometime around 2017 I noticed with the help of my therapist Sheila that there the way you can tell the difference is there's like a distinct energy associated with intuition and there's also a distinct energy associated with anxiety so like when you're feeling like anxious the energy of that thought feels almost like frantic and for lack of a better word, almost like restrictive. Like it's just trying to shut you down and stop you from doing anything. Whereas intuition, it's more like a sense of calm and it's like you have just like open possibilities almost. Like you mm-hmm. understand the possibilities that will lay out from from one definitive action, if that makes sense. No, I think sometimes that's, like, the difference between processing, like, firsthand and secondhand information. Mm. Because I feel like where I get the most mixed up is when I'm listening to someone else and trying to process that. Or someone's telling me something. I'm not going to call it gaslighting. But when someone is trying (laughs) to convince you of their viewpoint. Yeah. And I think where the times that this has been kind of the strongest in my life. Mm Mm-hmm is when you have a friend who is constantly complaining about the relationship they're in. Yeah. And then 
<laughs> when they're in a good phase with their partner, they're mm-hmm. like, well, why do you hate them so much? And I'm like, because you only tell me the shitty things they yeah. do. Like, you've never once shared their green flags. Mm-hmm. My whole perspective of this person is based entirely on all the red flags that you've told mm-hmm. me about and nothing else. Well, can I, like, honestly, my intuitive feeling is if somebody only has nasty things to say about their partner, that's not the right partner for them. No. And they did eventually break up but Mm. in this one case that I'm thinking of we actually had to set a boundary Mm -hmm. like within like a a small group of friends where we're like we can't listen to complain about him wow because it impacts your relationship with him well and we were trying to share our thoughts and give what limited advice we had at Mm -hmm. at that time in my life Mm -hmm. and it just turned into that friend feeling attacked. Oh, yeah. So we kind of had to set the boundary that, like, maybe, like, we can't be the people that you you complain about this person to. Wow. And we ended up kind of, like, drifting apart for a little bit because I just felt like I was almost being a know-it-all with her. Yeah. Well, you're telling... Were you telling her, like, the same thing? Yeah, I was yeah. a broken record. Oh. And I was like, I don't know how to phrase this in a way that, <laughs> yeah, like, works for her, that she'll understand. Um, so we kind of did, like, a bit of a drift apart just because mm. we, we couldn't get on the same page. And then mm-hmm. a couple months later, she ended up reaching out and she was like, yeah, mm. like, I finally ended things for good like they'd broken up numerous times and she's like Mm. no like this is it like he's moved out he has his stuff she was like we still have to wrap up a few things but I understand now what you were trying to say then not that I'm always right Mm -hmm. like I've had times where my friends are just venting about their partners and then I meet them and I'm like oh like that was them on a bad day yeah that's not the full picture yeah but in this case She was giving the full picture, and Mm. she wasn't trusting her gut, and she just needed to build up more confidence in herself Mm -hmm. that she could get out of the situation and and thrive. I think it's it's so hard when, like, you're almost watching your friends defy their intuition and make a mistake because of the narrative that they want to play out. Like, I had something kind of similar happen. Like, I, I had a friend who we had been friends since, like, the 10th grade. We actually shared... There was no sharing lockers at my high school. Like, everybody had their own locker. But that friend and I were so close, we shared a locker. (laughs) Like, that's how (laughs) attached we were. And we were really good friends all throughout uni. And it was, like, the second she met this guy, it was, like, her whole light just dimmed overnight. And we were, like, we had a very close friend group. She, like, we would always invite her out to parties. And it was, like, the second she started bringing this guy around, like, he would literally come over to, like, house parties and he would sit in, in a chair and scroll on his phone and not talk to anybody. Just sit in the corner. Just sit in the corner. We'd be, like, playing board games, like, playing video games together and be like, hey, like, do you want to join in? Do you want to do this? And he would just, like, no. Like, yeah, immediately. I hate that. Yeah, it, and I was like, then why are you here? And, like, slowly, it was, like, the second anybody said something to him where it was like, I, you know, why are you here? Like, if you don't want to hang out with us, you don't have to come to these things. Yeah. And it was like, whoever spoke up against this guy, then all of a sudden my friend would be in a fight with them. And she like, and it got to the point where like, slowly we had to stop inviting her to things because either her partner would be so unpleasant or like other people would be in a fight with her because of him. Like it just created this huge toxic situation. 
And I remember when she got engaged to this guy, she was, like, really hypersensitive about people not liking him. So she, like, invited us all out to, like, I'm going to have a dinner with just you or lunch with just you. And then I'm going to tell you about my engagement. And if people weren't excited enough for it, she would cut them off completely and then badmouth them to, like, everybody else in the group. And, like, finally, right after... She was trying to isolate people the way that he was isolating her. I know. And finally, it just got to the point where I was like, listen, like, I want to support you in everything you do, but, like, I don't think this guy is good for you. This is, like, a long pattern of behavior. And if you don't see that, like, I can't help you here. Like, this guy has forced you to cut out every person other than your sister and your parents. Like, he literally, like, cut out... He isolated her from her co-workers to the point where she had to quit her job. Yeah. It was insane. And, like, the last time I talked to her, like, we had a big falling out because, like, she she reposted my image without asking for consent on her business thing, and we were, like, not really on great terms, and I was just like, listen, if you aren't my friend, you can't use my face to promote your products or, like, your yeah. brand. And she basically was like, I never thought you would be so unsupportive. And I was like, I will always support you. I will always have your back. But as long as you're partnered up with him, I can't be there for you the way you want me to be because he won't let me be there. Yeah. And like the last I heard, they might be separated now. Oh, so then you're kind of in limbo. I'm kind of waiting. I I wouldn't mind hearing from her, honestly. And that's the hard part is like when you start to drift away from people like that, it feels like you're being an asshole, but yeah. at the same time, like, I was definitely starting to lose my patience or, like, my ability to be a good listener because she was telling me the same things over and over. Mm-hmm. I was giving the same advice, and then it's almost turns into, like, a boy that cried wolf situation. Yeah. And I was like, we're not listening to each other. This isn't productive, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to let the interactions get to like a blowout point yeah because I was like as soon as we fight about this she's never gonna talk to me about him again yeah and then it's also too because like I suspected my friend was entering like a domestic abuse I hope it wasn't ever a domestic violence situation Mm -hmm. but it was hard because it was like I can't be there for you because like he he literally is like so morphing your mind and Mm -hmm. gaslighting you into thinking the people that like have loved and supported you for years are all turning on you but really like we never fought we never had any issues at all until he came into the picture Mm -hmm. and like something changed and it's so tough not to feel a sense of responsibility for your friend's safety yeah because your gut is going off saying like (laughs) like they just start censoring what they tell you about the other person. So in this yeah. case, like, I actually got to debrief yeah. with this person uh, later, mm-hmm. which was rare. Like, mm-hmm. not everyone gets that opportunity. And she said, yeah, like, if we hadn't taken that step back and mm-hmm. she had to just rely solely on that partner yeah, for her day-to-day, she was like, I was getting through this relationship because I had emotional support And I had people that I trusted, so Mm. things were balancing. Mm -hmm. And then she said, when I was faced with, like, looking at what my life would be like, just centering around him. Yeah. That's when she realized, like, that That something was off. And I feel like, too, people, I'm guilty of it. We definitely censor our own intuition and 
second guess ourselves because we're so committed to like, well, it could be like this. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you gamble with yourself. Yeah. And like the house always wins. Your intuition is always right. Like there's yeah. never been a single situation where like a gut feeling has truly led me wrong in yeah. any way. And the cool thing is this person went on, like, a little bit of a spiritual journey after. Cool. And is in a new relationship now. And, like, they fight. They have arguments. But Mm -hmm. anytime I hear about one, she'll be like, this is what happened. This Mm -hmm. is what we were fighting about. This is how we talked through it. Whoa. And this is, like, what we learned. Or these are, like, new boundaries we have. Mm -hmm. So she's not trying to be perfect or anything Mm -hmm. but she took what she learned from the last situation and at the very least can recognize when she's falling into old habits and patterns and when she's projecting versus like actually feeling things so and I think that's so hard to be able to like separate your emotions and figure out what's like a Mm. now feeling and what's leftover from Mm -hmm. past experiences and that that's something I'm still working on every day so I give your friends so much credit because it's not easy like we're we're programmed to learn that's Mm -hmm. that's what humans do best yeah and we take all our past experiences to inform our lives going forward but yeah there is a difference between you know your intuition saying this isn't for me and anxiety and fear about what happened in the past stepping in being like you can't even try you're not allowed. One of my deal breakers, because I am still on Hinge, dating, <laughs> dating after 30. Back at it. <laughs> there's so many people that are just so jaded and have obviously oh. been hurt where it'll be like their profile will say something like, you should not go out with me if you're a cheater. Oh, what I'm looking for <laughs> is honesty, respect, and consideration. And I'm like, yeah, but those are bare minimum expectations in a relationship you should change your bio to i'm looking for someone who's been to therapy like literally and i've said it a million times except you can tell they aren't i know but it's just like i don't know a single functional adult person who's like okay and healed and thriving who has not at least endured like a six month span of therapy it should be required reading for being a human being like go see a therapist do you want to hear what the worst prompt i've seen on hinge was yes always okay so the best part about this was Mm -hmm. this is someone i actually like am acquainted with like was a friend of a friend back in high school (gasps) yes and his prompt the prompt was my therapist says and his (laughs) response was my therapist specifically told me i wasn't ready to date after my divorce but here we are anyway no (laughs) (laughs) this is like this is a man that like shut down his social media accounts after that breakup and i was like Oh my god. I'm kind of obsessed with that. <laughs> I like good for him for getting back out there, but I was like oh. that is I hate using the term baggage, but I was like you just know that that person is going to be projecting yeah. their unresolved situations and if there was any sort of lack of closure, they're yeah. going to be like highly suspicious of like watching for those same patterns. Yeah. And then you almost end up manifesting like a parallel relationship you end up creating problems and like this is speaking from someone who I got out of a five-year relationship and accidentally met the love of my life way too soon after that and I entered that new relationship granted I didn't think I'd be in it for another five years but the first like year of our relationship I was like listen I'm still unpacking 
like a lot of bullshit that's been in my backseat for like at least three years of this past relationship. I was like, you're going to have to be patient with me because my little monkey brain is convinced that all men are evil, even though I'm literally looking at John, the most wholesome golden retriever energy man you've ever seen and terrified that he's going to be something he's not. So wait, yeah. did did you have that year? And then a year to hit your groove, and then I'll and then move in together during a pandemic. Yeah, girl. <laughs> Is that your trajectory? That's our trajectory. But we also knew each other and were friends for all of high schools. So, like, granted, it was high school us. So the lowest vibration energy around, like, just the worst forms we could possibly be. I was president of the drama club and a bit of a bitch, and he was on the lacrosse team. So that should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> Ooh. Like, looking back, do you think your intu- intuition was telling you, like, keep this person close? Or do you think your intuition was like, not now, sweetie? <laughs> uh, so I, this is so vulnerable, so, like, be cool about it. Um. I have known from the first moment I saw John that I was going to marry him one day. And I have also been, like, we, I, of course, know the story from my perspective. I walked into our English 10 classroom, and he was sitting, like, diagonally behind me. And I walked in, and it was, like, for a whole second, there was nothing in the world except for John sitting there with his green eyes, which were like locked on mine. I get so sappy with that. I know I'm Kelly's tearing crying. Up right now. <laughs> Kelly's I love crying. these stories. Um, dilly dally, can we rewrite fifteen when you two yes. get married? Yes, we can. But yeah, so I I saw John and he saw me and like. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, like I felt as if my heart had dropped to my knees. And for like one second, it was like I felt my heartbeat in my whole body. And it was just very intense. And I didn't find this out until about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we always get sappy when it's our anniversary and talk about that. And like, you know, I, I told him, I was like, you know, the first time I saw you, this is what I felt. And he just like looked at me and he was like, that was the exact feeling I had. Like, he was, like, I, I never knew how to describe it, but he was, like, for him, he got it, like, kind of behind his ears and, like, on his neck, and he was, like, full body chills the first time I saw you, and, of course, we were, like, friends in high school, and we ended up, because this is, like, so us in our in our past, he started dating, like, one of the cheerleaders who was my mortal enemy, and... To impress you? <sighs> it was, like, I had been with somebody else, so he started flirting with this girl, and then... I finally made the choice that I wanted to be with him and I kind of told him that how I felt, but then he also had developed feelings for this other person and he was kind of like, well, you're too late. Mm. And then after he tore his ACL, we reconnected again in high school and he kind of came to me and told me how he felt. And I was already starting, I like had just started dating my infamous ex and then I was like, well, you're too late. But we kept running into each other for years. And it was always whenever I was in a fight with my ex-boyfriend, it would be like the next day I would see John. I have seen him in alleyways behind bars. I have met up with him on the dance floor, like literally felt somebody grab me and start dancing. And it's John. I have seen him in multiple grocery stores. He has caught me buying tampons from corner stores more times than I think is fair. And when we finally reconnected after like 
you know, how long had it been? I don't know, seven years since we had seen each other and like really had a conversation outside of those little dilly dallies, frankly. It was like the first time I saw him again on our first date, I had the same feeling again. And he had the exact same feeling too. And it's just like. You should tell the story to Nicholas Sparks. I should, honestly. Or just write it yourself. (laughs) I should just write it down. But it's like those intuitive hits, like the cliche, when you know something's right for you, you just know. Like, doing this podcast, I never in a million years thought that this would come naturally or easily for both of us. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has. Like, it's a little unfair how easy we've, it is. We've had a lot of learning opportunities yeah. as well, but nothing insurmountable. Yeah, and it's even when it has been hard and, like, in the beginning when we were trying to get it going and, like, the technical stuff kind of held us back, like, it was always fun and I always knew like, we were going to be able to do this. I had mm-hmm. zero doubt in my mind. It was like, you were the missing piece I needed. Like, I literally had taken all the steps to start a podcast. I learned how to do it. I bought the equipment. I knew kind of the vibe that I wanted, and I was just kind of waiting for you. Yeah. And then everything you've brought to the table since then, like, it was everything I was missing, you know? Yeah, because you were very good at starting things. I'm not great at continuing. (laughs) I am not great at starting new things. Sometimes it's hard for me to go outside my comfort zone. Yeah. But once something becomes a habit, Mm -hmm. like, I will tortoise my way and plod along (laughs) and just keep at it. Well, my favorite thing about you is you always say yes to, like, anything. Like, since I've known you, and we have, we're coming up on one year of knowing each other. Mm -hmm. We have not known each other that long. And... I have come to you with multiple kooky ideas that have involved reality shows, (laughs) writing books together. The Shrek rave. The Shrek rave. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've come to you with multiple crazy ideas, and you always say yes to them. And that is something I just appreciate so much about our friendship. I think it's because, and I always come back to this, but growing up twins, anything can be fun if you have someone to tell the story with after. Yeah. So I hate doing things Mm -hmm. by myself. Mm -hmm. I can, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. Mm -hmm. And going through things together, I'm like, worst case scenario, we have fun dinner party stories to tell for the rest of our lives. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I feel like that's kind of been our attitude to everything. And it's very much so, like, let's just see what we can get away with. Like, let's just see how this is going to turn out. And so far, I'm I'm very proud Mm -hmm. of of the work we're doing here today. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking talking about (laughs) yeeting myself out of a car. (laughs) But no, I'm proud of us for trying. I'm proud that we... We probably should have started the, said this at the top of the episode, but we are doing 13-episode seasons, so this is technically a wrap on season one, which is mm-hmm. insane. And I'm overjoyed to announce that we're, we're definitely going to be back for season two. And, yeah. Yesterday, I was actually, or a couple of days ago, I was talking to someone about, like, the fact that we're, we have a podcast. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we only have a few episodes. And I was like, wait, at the time, we had 11. Yeah, that's not a few <laughs> episodes. And also, we keep being like, we need to get closer to a half hour. We should just accept that this should be a 45 to one hour minute podcast. <laughs> Yeah, like, we try. <laughs> you just have to listen to us in two parts. We were aiming yeah. to fit into those like thirty-minute breaks. Yeah, but that's in, okay. It's fine. You know, I have a friend 
uh, Adrian, shout out Adrian. She will be taking photos actually for our season two debut, which is exciting. Ooh. We need to organize that. Uh, but so we she... don't have only photos in your friend hallway taken <laughs> yeah. by John. Yes. <laughs> but Look at us go. Whenever I we post a forty five minute episode, I always think of Adrian because she listens, and that's exactly the length of her commute. Like she's like, if it's under fifty minutes, it's perfect. And I'm like, mm. then that's all I'm shooting for. Long enough for Adrian to like fit into her. <laughs> morning commute but yeah okay well should we kind of draw the line here maybe review our key takeaways and then say our farewells to all our listeners for season one. Oh my god i'm gonna cry not goodbye forever <laughs> we can wrap up this episode but i'm also curious what is the like most important thing you've learned just doing this podcast mm-hmm. in general the most important thing i've learned is how to ask for help mm. that was a big one um a lot of people know this who listen, but I've been in a caretaker role for, like, a lot of my life. Let's say mm-hmm. that. I am blessed to have amazing friends and family, but they're all very high maintenance. Mm-hmm. And I spend a lot of time compromising on my own feelings just to, like, get things done or make it easier for other people or take care of somebody who needs a little extra. I'm not used to, like, taking that back at all, and I'm going to cry. One of the things I always remember is I, I like a series of really overwhelming days Mm. and I was you know I at first I was editing everything I was doing all our social media I was updating the website on my own and it was like I'm used to that like lone wolf type a take care of everything by myself project oh yeah that was me (laughs) like all the time uh and you know trying to unlearn those perfectionist tendencies but it didn't even occur to me that I could ask you for help until you just offered it and it was like oh my god I'm not alone (laughs) and it just it was such a profound moment of every other time because I have attempted to start a podcast by myself before which it it just never worked for me and I was always like I had this instinct to do things by myself but it I can't do it by myself and then there's Kelly my little angel (laughs) coming out of nowhere helping me out it was just that moment of realizing that it was safe to ask for help was just so profound yeah, I think for me, you? like, I would not have been brave enough mm. because I, I'm i still working through this, but I am scared to be cringy. Oh, and, Kelly. <laughs> but the more you do it, the more it's, like... It's so fun, though. <laughs> and also, that's what's relatable. Yeah. Um, when you're just, like, being honest and not curating your vulnerabilities yeah. and actually just being open. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also made me better at... There's a, a rule that goes around in, like, workspaces all the time where it's, like, mm. it's like if it's going to take you less than five minutes, just do it just now. Just fucking do it, yeah. And I've started applying that to difficult conversations because I often overthink things. <laughs> I end up in analysis paralysis. Yeah. And sometimes it's, like, a couple of days go by and you're, like, you know what, this this wasn't really a big deal. Like, mm. I don't need to get into this. But there's other times where I'm like, oh, like that was that could have been a really good conversation. Oh. But now the moment has passed. Right. And what I've learned from pushing myself to just have those conversations mm-hmm. and like acknowledge my feelings in the moment is that you're allowing the other person involved mm-hmm. the opportunity to step up. And you're trusting that they're going to have, you can't control their reaction, Mm -hmm. but you're trusting that they respect you enough to have a reasonable reaction. And what I've found is that if that doesn't happen, like if someone has written the narrative Mm -hmm. and me setting a boundary doesn't fit that, 
I've learned that those people don't need to be around. So I feel like it's going through the podcast and talking about past experience has helped me like really value like the strong friendships and relationships I have. Yeah. It's also it's also helped me kind of like put to bed some of the bitterness I had about like past friendships. Like I've yeah. talked about like my ex best friend from elementary school. Yeah. If I'm going through like childhood photographs with people later in life, if she pops up, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, like this is someone I used to know." Like yeah. and can talk about like fun stuff we did without feeling the need to like dive down that like drama filled saga again. Yeah. It's like looking back, I was like, "We were in our <laughs> early 20s." Yeah, those friends are not forever, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Another key thing is like the season or reason or a lifetime. Mm-hmm. That whole lesson, which I won't get into, but that has resonated very deeply with me (laughs) as we've been doing this but oh really quick are you better or worse at boundaries now or are you still just bad (laughs) I think I'm better Mm -hmm. it's a work in progress but having the podcast has also kind of forced accountability yes it has where because I bring up boundaries so much with the people around me because sometimes I want to like test episode ideas oh yeah I've, like, explained a situation and someone quoted the podcast back at me. Shut up. <laughs> Who did that? Okay, well, it was you, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I got I was, all excited. <laughs> I was going through something. Lisa literally sent me... Um, a timestamp from an a episode. A timestamp from a specific episode and was like, I'm not going to say anything. I just need you to listen to what you said. Yeah. Oh, God. That was that was savage of me, but you needed to hear it. Was it was effective. Yeah. It worked. We got back on track. <laughs> And I avoided a, a mistake. <laughs> All's well that ends well to end up with you, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's review key takeaways before we get too sappy here. I think the biggest one is just like if you want to be proactive about setting boundaries, you have to get to a space where you are able to trust your intuition. Yeah. Because when you trust your intuition, you trust yourself, you validate your own feelings. That's like step one. Of mm-hmm. being able to set boundaries. You can't skip that set. Yeah, step. you you have to have a level of confidence in yourself and trust within yourself. Mm. So whatever form that work takes for you, so whether that's therapy, whether that's meditation, whether that's just like spending more time with the people that make you feel like the best version of yourself, Yeah. then anytime you make the conscious choice to spend time in a space that is helping you grow, mm-hmm. that's all going to help you get better at doing this type of thing, whether it's setting boundaries, having difficult conversations. So also do a better job of high-fiving yourself when you do make those choices. Yeah, and like something bad doesn't have to happen for you to realize like, oh, I didn't mm-hmm. really listen to my intuition. Like, for example, me in that yeeting myself out of the car, like that could have been so much worse. Yeah. But I'm thankful it wasn't. And I'm also thankful that I, you know, learned that lesson very yeah. early. Like when we deny our intuition, we we do the stupidest shit that is unneeded. Mm-hmm. It's literally your gut telling you, babe girl, what you doing? Because the, the further you get along a path mm-hmm. before you pivot, yeah. the harder it is. So yeah. The more reflective you can be early on Mm -hmm. so that you can make those pivots while it's easy instead of when you're in the depths of it, then the better it'll go. If you are faced with a fork and a trail and you take 10 steps down down the right path and realize, oh, shit, I went the wrong way, you don't keep going. You go back and go down the right path. Molly and I literally did that (laughs) 
on the weekend in Banff because there was a very poorly placed oh sign that made it look like we should go forward, but was yeah. actually meant to be blocking that mm-hmm. section of the trail. <laughs> but we noticed right away, we turned around and nothing bad happened. Yeah. Boom. And also, too, as you get used to, you know, understanding your intuition and listening to it, you're going to get better at telling the difference between, like, what is the mean little voice in my head and what is my gut? Like, Mm -hmm. don't let anxiety and fear fool you and also trust that it's not going to fool you forever. You're going to get to a point where you're just going to know when when the little gremlin on your shoulder is yelling at you. Yeah, and sometimes that means you have to be a little bit more aggressive with your boundaries in the beginning. Yeah. And maybe they have to be a little bit black and white to start. Mm -hmm. But the more time you spend thinking about it and reflecting about what's important to you, like the more you can kind of start to explore the nuance, but you don't have to do that from the beginning. Yeah. You can take little baby steps. Little steps every day are better than no steps at all yeah and it's okay to have dilly dallies this is a dilly dally safe area (laughs) (laughs) okay Okay. let's draw the line yeah let's draw the line see you guys next season bad at boundaries is a podcast created by lisa hennig and kelly mcgillis follow us on instagram and tiktok at bad at boundaries thanks for listening